Hello and welcome once again to another episode of Ukulele Tales, the ukulele podcast hosted by me, John Atkins, aka the ukulele teacher on YouTube. First things first, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who listened last week as we discussed your 2023 ukulele goals. Although the purpose of this podcast when I started it was to chat with all the famous ukulele players that I could find, I've always said that I want to hear from you as well, and it was so exciting to get so much input from you all. I really appreciate you all listening, and I do really appreciate your comments. I have to say, I was actually a bit nervous talking on my own to myself for about 45 minutes without a guest to ask questions to or bounce off, but I think it actually went okay. I wanted to try something new and see if I could actually do a podcast entirely on my own without any guests, and I don't think it was too bad. So thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. But don't worry, we have still got loads and loads of top players to chat to, and I'm constantly collecting great interviews to share with you as well. But it is nice to know that every now and again, I can reach out to you guys for a bit of inspiration, and you'll be there for me with your messages and comments. I'm not sure when, but we will definitely do some more question of the week style shows in the future. Anyway, I don't want to ramble on too long this week as I have an absolutely fantastic guest for you. Seriously, I know the standard of guests has been really, really high so far. And of course, I am delighted to have had the chance to speak to people like James Hill and Jake Shimabukuru. But this one is a little bit different. It's a little bit closer to home for me. And as I rather embarrassingly tell him at the start of our chat, today's guest is, and I am being 100% sincere here, a genuine hero of mine. He's someone that I've looked up to musically ever since I was a little kid. In fact, one of my favourite songs as a kid was, and I guess still is today as an adult, You Can Call Me Al, from the Paul Simon album Graceland. And one of the things that made it such a fun and exciting track even though I didn't necessarily have the musical language to explain it at the time, was the pumping, fretless bass guitar that punctuated not just You Can Call Me Al, but the entire Graceland album. Anyway, I had so many questions that I wanted to ask this guy about his bass playing, his style, and of course, that bass guitar solo from You Can Call Me Al. And don't worry, we do get to all of that stuff later on in the second half of the interview, but it starts off largely bypassing a lot of the questions I had prepared, as I find out Bagiti has just an incredible story to tell. Growing up in poverty in South Africa, not even being able to go to school because it was being used by the army, and then being plucked from obscurity by Paul Simon in the 80s, and being flown to the USA to work on the famous Graceland's album, this is not just a typical rags-to-riches fairy tale, but it's a really important account of how music was one man's gateway to a better life. Bagiti didn't just work on the Graceland's album, he actually toured and recorded with Paul Simon for decades afterwards and still plays with him and tours to this day. But he still has a deep love for his homeland of South Africa and talks movingly about returning there one day, maybe even entering the field of politics. It's not for me to say, of course, although you would be very, very welcome to do so. But if I were a journalist, this would be my Pulitzer Prize episode. I'd be submitting it for an award tomorrow. Um, you'll have to excuse me because I do get a little bit starstruck at the beginning of this one, which doesn't usually happen to me. But by the end of it, I think we had a real connection and I loved chatting so much that I'm hoping that we'll stay in touch and maybe even get together the next time he's in the UK. Well, this has been one long fawning introduction, but I have to say genuinely, I mean every single word. 
anyway, this is a long interview and I want to get right to it. So without any further ado, here's me speaking with the legendary bass player. And that's not just bass guitar, of course, but bass ukulele as well. Bagiti Kumalo. Cool. Can you just say uh, your name? My name is Bagiti Kumalo. And I can call you Bagiti. Is Bagiti, that right? Yes. Cool, cool, cool. Thank you so much. You're um, very welcome. Yeah, I've got a bunch of questions I wanted to get to with you, and uh, yeah. we'll get to them all in in good time. But the first thing I want to say, uh, like genuinely, is I'm just a massive fan of Graceland, the album. Um, my mum, I think, got it when I was like a little kid. And so I just grew up having it on in the background all the time. And then when I was old enough to, you know, buy my own records, I bought my own copy. Mm. And it's just amazing. So for you to be a part of that and for me to be like chatting with you is like a really cool thing for me. Yeah, well, you know, thanks for inviting me. And, uh, you know, um, Graceland is a soundtrack of my life. You know, I, I, I played on an album. I became a big part of it. But at the same time, I'm a fan of that record because how it got us recognized by the, the world, even though you know there were some other difficulties with what's going on in South Africa back then. But Paul Simon, by going to South Africa and get these musicians to work with him, it just made us look good. And then for me as a kid, dreaming about coming to America uh, at the age of um, Eight, eight years old, and uh, you know, like every time I look at the plane as a kid and look up and say, "Man, why don't they drop down and just grab me and take me to go to America?" You know, there was something about you know coming to America, but because I stay with that plan and is what got me this far because I never lose focus. I mean, I could have got uh, redirected to different places because of the way the system was. But for me, I stay focused on finding the instrument. And uh, once I got the instrument, I just never let go. It's really interesting, um, a few other things you said there. I mean, firstly, you said it's the soundtrack to your life. And um, that's fascinating because I kind of think as a musician, maybe you're like recording an album and then you kind of move on to your next project and maybe like not necessarily forget about it, but you're just moving on and doing other things. But like you were telling me in the car earlier, you were in uh, South Africa back in 2012, touring it with the uh, 25th anniversary thing. And, and I guess there's been other sort of promotional things in between. And you've worked with Paul Simon sort of ever since on and off, haven't you? Yeah, well? for about, uh, it's been um, uh, last August 24th, uh, it was the release of the Graceland. So I've been with him since then. But there was other tour that I didn't do maybe uh, two years with the rhythm of the saints, because I was already engaged with some, you know, other musicians. I couldn't get out of it, and they had another bass player from Cameroon. Um, but um, for me, you know, I play music because I wanted to heal people, not to make money or to have, you know, a fame. I just wanted to save my family that I see them dying as a kid. They they had no jobs, and they, you know, they they, they were struggling lack of food in the house. We're living in a four-room house that has, like, you know, 17 people sharing the uh, four-room house with a dining room, kitchen, uh, two bedrooms, my grandmother and then whoever, the, the oldest. 
it, it was it was it, it was very very difficult. But for me as a kid, I wanted to save them and and have a better life, which is I didn't even know what the better life is, you know. But for music, I just wanted to make sure that you know uh, my grandmother can eat, my family you know can eat, but also play music, play the instrument that I love very much. And learning the bass without having it, that was another issue. Well, how, how did that work then? So when did you start playing the bass? Like really well, young, Well, I started, it? you know, my uncle, he played saxophone. He was more responsible for my uh, studying the music. Because every time they practiced at home, like every, uh, every, every Saturday, uh, when they practice every Saturday, I, I pay attention. You know, I pay attention and watch him and his uh, band playing. And uh, then once I turned 10, I got very interested. And one of my uncle's bass player got so drunk that he couldn't play. And my uncle asked me if, if I, <laughs> I learned something. And I said, yeah, yeah, I learned because I was excited to, to, to play the bass. And he got me electric bass. And uh, since then, you know, people love what I was doing. I was smiling a lot, even making a lot of mistakes. But because, you know, I guess I was good looking. So people, <laughs> they just love my good looking and yeah, uh, they didn't yeah. care about my notes. But really that got me really exciting because I knew that the system was so broken that uh, people, they're living their own uh, direction. You know, if you have a bad direction, then that's your own uh, good directions for good people. So, you know, I, I just kind of figured out I have to do something about this. Stay away from drugs, alcohol, just stay focused, keep their eyes on the prize until 1985 when Paul Simon came to South Africa. I mean, what's amazing about what you've just said, and it's, it's like a really inspirational story, but we just came from doing a, a school assembly uh, right, together. This morning, yes. And you told the kids that you didn't go to school yourself. Is that true? Because it's that is true. That is correct because, first of all, the schools were occupied by um, the, the, the army. It's, you know, because in South Africa, you know, like it was, it was, it was chaotic during that time. And uh, so you couldn't go to the school with broken glass windows. And, this, you know, it was not a good place to land. So the safest place was to be home. Most kids, they did that, unless you come from a, a, a good family, a wealthy family, that they can send you to boarding school or private school, you know. But uh, growing up in the township, <sighs> lack of food, how are you going to go to school? <laughs> yeah, again, yeah, again. yeah. Right, there's more important things. I mean, you've got to feed, feed yourself and look after your family and stuff, right? I tell so. you, and, and, and this is something that really created a lot of... Uh, danger on some young people because when there's no school you're hungry what comes to your mind is still robbery kids robbing and stealing you know because they gotta eat you don't feed them they're gonna die so they're gonna have to take from somebody and and just just a mess that the problem that could solve but you know the government is not paying attention on the people yeah Something you spoke about in the car, I'm not sure if you're kidding or not, but you said, well, you're, you're close to retirement age, right? I don't know how old you are, but you said in like three or four years you want to quit playing the bass, right? I want to quit. Um, I will, 
I, I will, I should say, I should not say I want to. I will quit at 70 years old. I'm 66 now. Oh, wow. Okay. And I'm thinking four years from now, I want to be a speaker and I want to come back to my country, to South Africa, and then the rest of the world in, in African, you know, and say, look, you know, I've never been to school. Today I got awards and uh, I'm, you know, playing on some Grammy winning records and platinum gold and I've seen the world multiple times. So I think that can happen to you if you think the way I think. Yeah. You know, yeah. for me is to go back and help the government and help the people to understand because they really don't understand how I got to this far. Yeah. You know, I, I had, you know, like I had a, a lot of friends, you know, uh, bass players, drummers, we all playing together, but they never understand what I was thinking as I'm playing with them. Because for me, it was about, I want to be good. I want to be good and I want to save lives. I want to go back to school. Like I go to a classroom and I just, I just feel like this is the moment I missed as a kid. But now I'm glad I'm here. And it started with my daughters. Yeah. When I raised my daughters, coming from South Africa, it was never easy because the man has always got this, you know, like, yeah, I can't do this. I can't change diapers. I, you know, I'm not, I'm a man. I just keep making children, but I'm not responsible to raise my kids and be there. Most people, they make babies and run away. But for me, my daughters, they taught me something. To see them born and then to raise them from one to now my oldest uh, my oldest son is 36 years i left him t when he was two years old with graceland because i had a choice to take care of him or or, or you know mm -hmm. but i i had to leave him and because uh, this was my thing that's going to help me now to take care of them right but right. you know i stay as a father and then i came to america and then i met my wife we got two children, two daughters. They finished college now. They're teaching my daughters. They're having a great job. And I was an example to them to say, look, I'm here as your father to support you to go to school. I will find the funds to send you to school because I've never been there. Do this for me and do it for yourself. And my kids, they went, yeah, they, they went distance because they're teaching now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you still have... So you're based in the US now, right? In yes, I'm based Philadelphia. in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, yeah, right. Just yeah. maybe a little bit outside Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of like a dream come true for you, is it? My goodness. When I was on the plane, I remember the first time... Uh, you know, I... Because it's in the middle of recording the Graceland and, uh, you know, Paul asked if I had a passport or any paperwork. And I said, not even a bank statement. I grew up in the township, you know, I don't know what the bank is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then, but they wrote the letter for me to go to the uh, immigration or passport department in South Africa. They gave me the uh, traveling document. And uh, once I get on the plane, I was up all night for 17 hours, man. I, I was standing, just thinking like, I can't believe. Am I dreaming? I keep slapping my face like, am I dreaming or what is this? Real. Now I'm nervous. Now I'm going to America. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. So it's like, it, there's a joy and then also there's the fear that I'm going to a country where I don't speak English. I didn't even speak English. You didn't English. speak English when you came no, over? No, sir. I never spoke any... I was always quiet, even in the studio when we work with Paul. I was always 
like quiet, you know, smile, and they play something, and then I look at their face, they respond by smiling, and I knew that I got this. But as, as we're traveling, and I think it was uh, 1986, we went to England, spent, I think, maybe five months working on the Graceland tour, and uh, for the first time in England, and the place was so gray, <laughs> I was depressed. Every African was depressed because there was, it was raining and it was cold. And then the snow, you know, we never seen the snow come from Africa. Yeah. yeah. But uh, for f that five months, we practiced with Paul and we started to see the world. And that's when I started to see the opportunity. And I said, you know what? Keep learning. Because I, what I thought I knew back then, I didn't know. But now this is another... It's another phase of my, uh, you know, another college kind of thing. But for me, I'm always open to learn. You know, even when my children are talking to me, I'm always listening. And not just because I'm a father, I'm going to say, no, you don't say that. You say it this way. I always learn and then put it together and say, what, what did they mean by saying that then? You know, but I'm always learning, and I and I keep learning until I leave this planet. Because if you know everything now, hey, good luck. But uh, learning is very important for me to come to the classroom this morning and work with these kids. They just made my day, and I was even nervous playing for them because, and I'm like, I can't believe I'm in the classroom again with the kids, a bunch of kids. This is maybe what God sent me to do to go and talk to the kids, not really much playing. My playing, you know, it's another story, but uh, just to be in the classroom and watch these teachers struggling to teach these kids, and, and you know, it's an honor. Yeah, it is an honor. And Mitch was saying in the car, I don't think they even have like a music program at that school, do they? There's, there's not much going on there. Yeah, and, I, and I'm against that. I'm against what um, the school or it's a superintendent or, or what's going on that they cannot have music or art in the schools, but they can have baseball, uh, basketball, or, yeah. you know, they can have sports. That's dangerous that kids get hurt and everything, but music, something that can really help their education you know, I, I, I don't understand. I, I really don't understand. Yeah, yeah. Creativity is so important, I think, isn't it? it it's important. You, you know, you can see, like, these kids this morning, they lit up, man. When they saw the ukuleles and, 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 and the place for that little time that we were there, they were so happy. You know, they came in sad. They were not sure what's going to happen. Yeah, but, yeah. but at the end of the day, high five and just like, it was beautiful. It thing. was beautiful. Yeah, it was really lovely. I played, because um, I'm not really like a performer particularly, but I played uh, at my son's kindergarten. He's like four years old. I knew uh, when you played that to you. You know the children's songs. <laughs> I was going to say, I know all the, kid, all the little kiddie songs. Yeah. But I, so they had like a little like sort of end of, you know, summer party. Yeah. And they asked me to come and play for like 20 minutes. And like, I'm not kidding. It was like the happiest I felt personally in years. Like, I personally got so much out of it. It felt so good, you know, just seeing their smile, seeing their kind yeah. of it, thinking. It was, it was so good. It was, and, and I was emotional. I was trying to hold up by making jokes and, you know, but I was uh, very emotional thinking about, you know, we lost some children in schools because of the shooting that was supposed to be prevented, but they never did, and kids die. And now I'm coming to this classroom, and look, look at these innocent faces. It's like, we need to do something better than this. Yeah, 
you know our kids kids how they're gonna survive you know we, we need the government needs to change this whole system because it's broken it's it, it's yeah it's it's really bad you know like it's somebody really can bad. walk into a classroom with gun and shoot kids innocent kids just because he has his own problem that cannot happen you know yeah. it just it just breaks my heart yeah same i mean it's we used to live in la and it's actually one of the reasons we went back to england because, uh, like i said we bring up a kid and we just don't want our kid to be in a place where he could, you know, not come home from school, basically, one day. So. I mean, I pray for my daughters because they're working with the kids. Like, you know, every day I just want to see them home. And, uh, and I keep also coaching them, like, hey, look, the world is broken. Know you exit when it's time to leave or, or time to protect yourself. You know, don't, don't, you know, just be aware. Yeah. You know, like I teach my kids even about getting in the car. Before you go to your car, you see who's around because there's a lot of hanging people. You don't know why they're standing there or something. Pay attention. Make sure that your phone is ready to call police or something. You know, yeah. just stay alert. Yeah. We're living in a broken world. We are. Do you, you were talking in the car, and again, it's hard to tell when you're joking sometimes, but you were talking about maybe... Um, getting into politics when you sort of... Yeah, like I wanted to say, I wanted to be South African president. Right. I would love to. That's not a joke. No, that's not a joke. You know, I mean, they're not going to let me, you know, I don't know, because now I became a United States citizen, you know, a citizen now for half of the same year. I was born in South Africa, I would say 33 years ago. I left South Africa and I come here another 33 years to complete both worlds, um... You know, but I, 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 you know, my dream is to go back home and go back home, fix what's broken because people are kind of shut down because they've never lived the South Africa. So they feel like every day is the same, you know, this is our life. That's how I, I thought, that's how I felt when I was young until I got an opportunity to get on the plane and leave. And I said, wait a minute, this is not right. Yeah. And for me, I'll take that chance. If they give me an opportunity, I'll take it. And I'll make it a better country because it's a beautiful country. You know, we have resources, but we have people who are not educated. They don't even know how to speak to people to say, okay, we have pandemic. What is pandemic? People, they die. Nobody told them about any pandemic. You know, it's like you can't tell people, don't be on the street. You can't, you can't go out and then not bring a truck full of granola bars and drop them on the street and say, please eat, stay home, be safe, until we figure out how to give you the medicine. They Mm. didn't do that. They didn't do anything? You know, I lost my family. I lost my family, you know, because of that. My sister died. She couldn't get help. Yeah. You know, and it's it's, it's very simple. A country that has gold and uh, gold and diamonds, they can do better than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? But, you know, you have a president who marries 10 wives. No, just get 10 schools. The money that you get in married 10 wives, you get 10 schools. Give them the education so that they can clean up the country. You know, we have a better, another generation coming up. Yeah. Man, that's so, like, I have to say, when we started speaking, <laughs> I didn't know we were going to talk about any of this stuff. And it's just been, like, amazing to really hear from you know, someone with a, just a completely different background to me, and I, I really yeah, appreciate it. You. you know, I'm just even emotional about this, but, you know, it's better to talk about it and not keeping myself. You know, now I'm here and I learned the customs here system. 
it's but home is home no matter how you can you know how many times or how long you can leave your country but there's always that love that my grandmother she's buried in south africa my grandfather my mother my father you know my family and i'm just here alone now i got my own family daughters and uh, trying to make another life but in the back of my mind i always think about these people yeah you know when i eat i think about I'm eating, and uh, one of my family members is dying. They don't, they don't have food. And I give them money. You know, like, I get calls like 3 o'clock in the morning asking money, and I give my family and say, I don't have anything, but I will share this with you because I'm not going to take it with me when I die. You know, I'll go alone, and I'll leave everything that I'm proud and boasting about. You know, when you're gone, you're gone. Your spirit lives on, but your body and the things that you work for don't mean anything. Yeah. You know, so yeah. for me, I always think about that, even though I left South Africa a long time. I have a beautiful home. I have beautiful daughters, finished college, and I have three grandkids. My son's uh, three daughters, uh, two daughters and one son, a new son. You know, for me, it's about really helping them understand. I cannot bring them here because it's a lot of money. And, of course, it, it, they cannot handle the system because you have to be born here to understand. Yeah. You know, like my son is 36 years old. If I bring him here, he's going to shut down. Wait, so he wasn't born in the US. He was born in he South born, Africa, sorry. Right. born in South Africa. My daughters, they were born here when I married okay. my uh, first, yeah. uh, second wife. Now I have a third wife. They don't live together, but uh, the other one is finished with divorce, my wife. So I got yeah. uh, my new uh, fiancé that we're working on now. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, well, yeah, thank you. Do, do you, you have know. a date set for the, the wedding? Or? No, you know, no. This is like, we don't want to, because she's been married, and I've been married a couple of times. But we are good friends. We don't need children. She's got two do uh, kids, a daughter and a son, and I have three kids and uh, three grandchildren. So we kind of like, let's live a proper life. Because once you, you start getting married, the lawyer is standing on the side, waiting for a mistake to happen, and then clean somebody's years of work and, yeah. you know, everything. And she understand that. And the fact that she's not a South African or, or a black, she's a white, beautiful lady from upstate New York. We even have a problem now, even walking together. You know, I love to hold the hands, but, you know, there's that fear that people looking at us like, what's going on? You know, but she doesn't see it that way. She just sees me as a good man and I see her as a good woman. And the reason why she got into my life is because my wife, she left my daughters, and she was just going through some difficulties of herself. And this woman, she steps in and helps my kids with the homework. While my wife, she's going out and drinking with the friends, she'll take care of my kids. And my kids and her kids, they grew up together. But when my wife left me and we divorced, and her husband divorced her, and we started to clean slate. Okay, but so, this one yeah. is just like a really good, good friends. Yeah. So we're gonna live a long time together. Yeah, so you've known each other a long time. We've known together for about fifteen years now. Yeah. I had a house in Long Island. Then I go out on tour with Paul Simon and Sting. 
Then when I come back, the house was empty, and I was scared to to get out of the limo and go to uh, inside the house because then I felt like, my God, did I lose my family? This is really scary, you know. Grass was not cut. It just looks so terrible. Like the driveway, the kids—they're not playing. Usually, when I come home, they're riding the bike, and you know, I'm so happy to see them. But it was quiet, and uh, I tell my driver, "Don't leave. Let me go inside because I have my key." You know, and then I open, and uh, furniture is gone. The only thing was left was the piano, but everything was gone, and then uh, my. Daughter's bedroom. There was a note to say, "Dad, it's not about you." <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, wow, wow! It's not about me." And uh, yeah, and uh, I had to follow the family. I sold my house. Then I followed my daughters because I wanted to make sure that they save. Because my wife, she took my kids just to get something from me and using yeah. my kids as a weapon. But. Yeah, and I had to sell the house, and I went to Pennsylvania and um, stayed in a hotel for five months, so I can see my kids every day, take them to school, and you know, because I didn't, okay. I didn't trust my wife. Now yeah. I didn't know what was coming. Yeah, because I can get shot or something can happen. They said, "Oh, it's an accident." He was, but she created it because she wanted to get, you know, everything that I work for and 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 uses the kids as a, a weapon. But um, you know, for me, it's like, hey, look, I, I grew up in a place where it was very difficult, but I knew how to get around the storm, you know, and not get beat up, you know, not defeated. And uh, so I stayed with the kids until she messed up again, and then she left me with the kids, and the kids, they were happy. Good. And so you got, she's so you got been to keep gone the kids, since right? Yeah. Huh? So, oh, sorry. Go ahead. You you got to keep the kids. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. kids, they, you know, because I asked them, "Hey, what do you want to do? You want to stay with mom?" They're like, "No, no, no." Yeah. Now, for me, I'm thinking about my job. Now, my kids, they stuck with me. So, what am I going to do now? But uh, you know, uh, this lady Tammy, she stepped in and uh, she cleaned up my life. Wow, wow! What a story! What a yeah, story! Yeah. yeah. But it's a, it's it's all about doing the right things, you know. Because you know, my wife, she, I, I could have beat her and then go to jail, and then my life is ruined for the rest of my life. Yeah, I didn't want to do that. That's what she wanted me to do, so I can be in trouble. And you don't do that. You don't you don't beat a woman as a right. man. I mean, like I've never done that. Never done that. My children, I always talk to them, and if I feel like they're not listening, then I leave the house. Then come back, you know, maybe take a little, you know, a and then yes, come back, a yeah, breather. and then I'll come down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, see, what did I tell you? I told you that I had all these questions for Bagheeti about the bass parts on Graceland, the You Can Call Me Al solo, but we don't get into any of that for a long time. Um... You know, I actually recorded this interview the weekend of the Los Angeles International Ukulele Festival. And I suppose I should say a very big thank you to Mitch Chang for making this possible, by the way. And the next day, I saw Bagheeti's workshop, and he actually called me up onto the stage to play a couple of songs with him. Diamonds on the Soles of His Shoes and You Can Call Me Owl. And believe you me, I was just beaming from ear to ear. That was sort of a just, I can't even say it was a life's goal realised because... I didn't think it was something that would ever happen, but to just find myself playing on stage 
with a man that I'd grown up listening to was just an incredible moment and one that I will not soon forget. This guy has seen life, but still has an incredible, positive, warm attitude. And I'm really proud to call him, well, hopefully a friend now. Um, just as an aside, going back to what Bikiti was saying a bit earlier in the interview, isn't it disgraceful that a school in California, of all places, has no provisions for teaching music to the kids? Isn't that something we should be helping with? I'm not blaming the school, of course. I went there myself, and I know they are doing absolutely the best they can with the provisions that they do have. But what does it say about our society as a whole, that we value music so little that we don't even bother teaching it to our children? You might remember I spoke to Marlon of the Ukulele Kids Club charity a few months back, and she told me all about how they provide ukuleles for kids in hospital. But perhaps someone needs to set something up to make sure we can actually get music to kids in schools in the first place. I don't know, something about this just doesn't seem right to me. We need to sort this out. But anyway, I'm going to get off my soapbox for a minute because this is a fascinating interview. And as you are finding out, Bagheeti is a really warm and open guy. And he still has lots more to say. So I do hope you're enjoying listening to this as much as I enjoyed recording it. Just to say, if you are enjoying the podcast and you want to ensure that it continues, please consider signing up to my Patreon page, patreon.com slash uketeacher at any level. Not only will you be directly supporting the podcast and helping me to travel around and record conversations with some great ukulele players, but you'll also get some great benefits as well, including behind-the-scenes gossip, early access to shows, bonus conversations with some of my guests, including an extra 10 minutes with both Tyler from Ten Thumbs and James Hill. Uh, but you'll also get the chance to submit questions for some of my future guests. So if you can, jump onto my Patreon and spare a couple of dollars a month I really would be incredibly grateful. Anyway, for now, let's get on to part two of the interview, where we do finally talk a little bit more about the music. Let's get back to me and Bagiti Kumalo. Like I said, I'm just so grateful oh, to you for opening up. Yeah. I'll give you my CD. Oh, thank you very yeah. much. Well, I was just listening to your new one on yeah, what you uh, Apple hear Music. Is what, um, what you hear is what you see. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was. Uh, it's good jet lag music because um, I was just saying I couldn't sleep last night uh, when I got here because I've just flown in from England and my body clock's all over the place. And I just put my headphones on. I'm listening to. Them, I'm like, this is really great for when you're kind of not quite sure what time it is. Um, it's really, it's, but it's, it's surprising. It's a journey. It yeah, it's a journey. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's jazzy. And I think I wasn't expecting it to be, to be quite like that, you know? Um, well, you know, it's the influence of everybody because I didn't want to call myself as an African bass player. I call myself as a musician who can play anything with anybody. You know, I mean, I played with Herbie Hancock. Jazz oh, record, wow. yeah. yeah. It's yeah. called The Gashwin's World. I played like two songs and I played with Randy Brecker, the Brecker brothers, um, you know, with um, just amazing people. And I played with, you know, Stevie Wonder, Gloria Stefan, Shaka Khan. You know, I've had some amazing opportunity to play with all these musicians. Mickey Hart, The Grateful Dead, I didn't even know who he was. Wow, yeah. And I played with uh, uh, John Phillips, uh, Mamas and Papas, and I played with Eileen Ivers. I went on tour with Eileen Ivers because I'm learning. You know, when people they call me to play with them, I like to learn. They give me like 15 songs, 20 songs, learn this for the tour. I will 
learn and, and then play well as well. How much freedom do you get when you're learning a song for like a Gloria Estefan or a Grateful Dead? Do they kind of say it's got to be this, this, this? Or do they say... Do sometimes, you know, sometimes the music is it's, it's planned as things they expect from you. But most what they want from me is the tone. Yeah. I, I worked on my tone all my life to get a perfect tone that when I play... It's going to sound good, just even if I play two notes, but because of the good tone, it's going to save my life, you know. Uh, so there's directions sometimes they will tell you, but then sometimes I can, you know, do some things. Graceland was very special because it was, we did that in South Africa, some tracks, and uh, it just kind of felt like we were there. You know, it's supposed to happen, that kind of groove. I couldn't play anything different. In, in South Africa because it was Africa and that's what Paul was looking for, you know, the traditional music. Yeah. And uh, so I played different, but you know, with everybody I adjust, I can adjust to any any band. Yeah. George Groban, <laughs> I went out with George Groban and you know. What about, can you, can I just ask about Gloria Estefan just cause she's like a favorite of mine. Oh no. What, what were you playing of hers? Did you go on tour with her or something? No, or? I didn't go on tour. She invited me to come to the studio to record with her. And the album is called The Destiny. The album that I played on. And she is the bass player, George. George uh, played some tracks and then I played some tracks with um, uh, Gloria. But she just wanted that African feel, yeah, the okay. groove, and then also my sound as well. Yeah. And um, oh wow, what a career! It was it, yeah. was, it was amazing. Mm. And then after that, I think I uh, played with Terra um, Trucks and Susan Tadaji. Yeah. And that's like Southern rock and um, very interesting music. Yeah. And just on Graceland again, um, for me, like the bass is like a really big part of the sound of that album. Uh, I mean, like it starts off with a boy in the bubble. Yeah, that's like a baseline you don't forget in a hurry, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, man, I, I would say the uh, every bass part I played on that record, it was a joy. It was about man, I can't believe I'm going to be on top of the world. So here's the moment now. Yeah. What do I do with the opportunity that I've been given? My thing was to say, look, have the sound, play what's needed. Play simple, Paul doesn't want all the, like, you know, the Jaco Pastorius, all the 100,000 speed. No, we need a singing. And for me, it was, I was ready for that. I just needed the gate to open so I yeah. could come in. <laughs> and how, how did it work, um, like, compositionally speaking? Did you... Oh, did he give you like sort of chord charts or something? And then you no, it no, in, there or? was no chord charts, but to, uh, there was a demo because um, I think one of the producer uh, from South Africa, Hilton, Rosenthal, and he sent Paul the stuff. He was a good friend of Paul Simon, and he sent him uh, the tracks, and Paul liked it, and he's like, "Wow, this music, you know, I'm, I'm loving it." So it's Ladysmith Black Mambazo. Oh, right, and okay. Paul, okay. The, the vocal of the Ladysmith Black Mambazo just dragged him to that situation. So, and the timing was right. It's not about thinking, oh man, I love this. Maybe I'll do something one day with it. No. For him, he got it, got on the plane, came to South Africa. Now, that's another challenge. Now, you come into a country, 
you don't know and you know system but for him it was not about that it was about musicians coming to us and 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 and, and work with us and give us the gold and the recognition and uh, you know already here the demo the boy in the bubble it was uh, one of the um a group uh, Sutu group is called Daria Matsaha and uh, so when we started with the point the bubble which is I played on the original one but now when we were working with Paul he wanted another sections or other sections in the song because you know point the bubble the original is just like same thing and then everybody dance you don't go to the minor you right. stay on the major uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> Paul is like okay we need another section Da, 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 you know, like when it goes to G and, and uh, yeah, and it changed, uh, it changed. Uh, we didn't know, even the, even the guy who was playing the accordion was always saying, what is he doing? I mean, the song is good now, he's changing it. It's like we didn't know, but uh, finally it worked out. Yeah, it I mean, it's out. like some magic, right? Yeah, and all those things, diamonds and the soles of his shoes, oh my God, I just saw... A heaven gate opening. I'm going to heaven. I'm playing. I'm gonna play this. That the generations and generations they're gonna hear it. It was done one time. I couldn't rep- uh, uh, repeat this with uh, anybody. You know, with other people. It yeah. was just that time in the studio. In the studio, yeah. and I played it, and I left it alone, and then go and tour because people they wanted to see the guy who played. <laughs> I remember when we played in England, man, I was so scared. The crowd he was coming closer to the stage as we played Call Me Out. And uh, they waiting for the bass solo, like, we're going to see if it's him. I mean, and and I it, play, yeah, right. I played two notes, <laughs> and then the whole stadium was screaming, and I was making mistakes because it's like, oh, they can't hear it. They're happy, you know. We had to play it again, you know. But, uh, you know, it was a timing, and I feel like I was very, very lucky um to be part of this and and i took it i was not nervous when i came to new york the first time i was just so happy like i'm there remember one time i was eating the pizza at four o'clock in the morning in new york and i'm like four o'clock in the morning in south africa everybody's snoring and here i am i'm in like Times square yeah 48th and 8th avenue the city that never sleeps yeah yeah Yeah. never sleeps you know i mean like there was all kinds of stuff you know places where you put a quarter and all kinds of things happen but uh i i knew i said you know what it's going to be hard for me to go back to south africa yeah and uh, and of course you know i was a big bone of um of that record that Paulie couldn't, I don't know, he, I don't think he could have done by, you know, another bass player to yeah. duplicate that, you know. Yeah. And so I was very fortunate and I was very lucky that he gave me the opportunity and he kept me. And uh, That's amazing. Like, what a story. And so, I guess to bring it back to today, we're here for the Los Angeles Ukulele Festival. Yes. Um what are you doing now with the ukulele? Is that like your new thing? Are you getting into the U-Bass or something? What What's happening with that? Um, ukulele, um, I was introduced to the ukulele. Um, uh, I met a good friend of mine, Rick Carlson, used to work for Kala. And then we were at the NAMM show. This is like, you know, probably 12, 13 years ago. 
And he says, hey, I work for this company, and I check out these bases. It gives me the ukulele, and then I play, and I'm like, ah, oh, man. And now we came up with the uh, Bagiri Kumalo signature bass with the shield. This shield, that's uh, that's my uh, logo. For, oh, yeah, 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 the, you know, the shield logo. South yeah. African-American. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the, the ukulele, they sound amazing. And so... Um, the Ukulele Festival is not the first time I was here before because of Carla as well. So I was representing Carla and then now I'm back again. And of course, Mitchell Chang is an amazing um, person, you know, for for him to invite us. You know, yeah. To, to do oh, this. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and I'm just so grateful. And even to know you, John. Thank you. Know, you. It's, 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 it's beautiful. And and the other people, Brittany and... Uh, Andrew. Andrew, you yeah. know, it's, it's just amazing. Yeah, I know it's been like a... I mean, we've only been here a few hours, but it's, it's been just such a great morning already, yeah. hasn't it? Going to the school and the opportunities we've got tomorrow. The night was the... crazy, but the morning was better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the less said about that, the better, though, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But... Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, so what are you going to be doing tomorrow? Because the main festival is tomorrow. Uh, are you doing a concert or a workshop or? You know, doing a concert, it's it's not you know as a bass player. Yeah, right. You can, of you course, can do yeah. that with the ukulele, you know, yeah. playing chords and singing. People are singing, but the bass, you know, I, I play one song and the second song is going to sound the same because where to go? Yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah, I'm playing yeah. my fretless and. But uh, we'll see what, how we're going to run things. My thing is to just be there in the room, hold my pace and talk about my life story. Yeah. Because really there's nothing for me to, uh, to prove, you know. And I, I have a band. I have um, a, a group called South African All-Stars that I can bring them to places. But, you know, it's, economy is bad. I can't bring anybody. And I have... Bagiti Kumalo's record from uh, what you hear is what you see. But I can't bring them too because it's expensive to bring people. Now I'm coming as, you know, telling my story. Telling your story, which is what you were doing here, which yeah. has been amazing. You know? Yeah, so my thing yeah. is going to be story and then I can play and people can ask me about Call Me Out or whatever yeah. the songs. And then we can, you know, I can teach them to play the songs. And then hopefully Brittany and, uh, and Andrew, they'll join me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... I guess we'll wrap it up in a second. I just had one or two really quick ones I was going to ask you, but uh, you've sort of covered most of what I was going to say, honestly. Um, but what you were saying just now about, oh yeah, my name is Al. I, I don't know if you noticed, I haven't asked you about that solo because I figure probably everyone's going to ask you about that. But there was one thing I was going to tell you about it. I saw Train. Have you heard of the band Train? Um, they did like Meet Virginia and uh, Hey Soul Sister. Yes. Yeah, Hey Soul Sister, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I saw them live at the Hollywood Bowl a couple of years ago. And they played uh, Al. They played You Can Call Me Al as like a cover of it. And the guy did the bass solo and everything like really well. Like really well. You know, I mean, maybe you wouldn't think so if you saw it, but I thought it was like amazing. And like it's such a sort of iconic solo. At the end of the song, the uh, singer just said, hey man, let's just all shut up. Just play that bass bit again. And it just got, it just played the bass solo on its own, not even as part of the song for the whole of the Hollywood Bowl. And uh, yeah, and everyone loved it as well, you know. So that's um, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, it really makes me happy that, um, you know, I, I hear a lot of players, they, they play, and then sometimes I see them on YouTube, and then I give them the thumbs up, because it's like, you know, I just feel so honored, so grateful that bass players, they're going to learn my stuff, you know, I, I mean, I didn't expect that, but when they're doing it, I, I really 
love what they're doing. And then sometimes others, they contact me because I'm easy reach, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I don't claim this, like, you know, I can be hide people, they cannot talk to me, they cannot see me. I'm not that person. I came from a humble place and I'm going to go all the way with my humble. Like people can call me and say, hey, can you teach me how to play that? Yeah, definitely. Let's stay on the Zoom or whatever, you know, let's work on it. Wow. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, actually, uh, is are you on sort of social media at all? Um, well, can people follow you ex- exactly? Or? Well, I have a social media assistant who does all my oh, social yeah? okay. stuff. <laughs> because me, I, I can't stand, you know, I just want to sleep at night. I can't be like, you know, responding yeah. to people in California, you know, in South Africa. But, uh, yeah, my social media person, she always send, you know, newsletters to people to say, hey, look, you know, Bagiri's got a new album. And everybody goes in. And then sometimes Carla, Ukulele, they do something. Or Phil Jones, I'm going to be doing a, um, a bass. Uh, I'm a judge for the bass contest uh, in New York on uh, November 4th. Like, you know, bass players, they're going to play in front of me and then tell them, you know, if they're good or not. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I'm like, man, I guess I've, I've graduated now. That's yeah. what I want to think about. Yeah. Not to play or travel because even my health is not agreeing with me now as, um, as um, um, you know, 66. And I'm starting to have some shoulder problems, you know, like... Is that from carrying the bass, you know, playing the bass and stuff, you think? Part of it, it's carrying the bass or playing the double bass because I'm like this, you know, sometimes for a while, you know, playing and then carrying stuff. But what started this pain it was when I was uh, shoveling the snow I think maybe about three years ago we had like a big snow and I live in an apartment back then so when they plow the snow they just dropped them on my driveway so I can't get out and then three days later the snow is hot right yeah. so I had to like really shovel the snow and I feel something like you know it kind of pop. Oh, no. But it's it's not it's not uh, it's not broken. It's just that I gotta you know uh, work on it. Like right now, I'm in the physical therapy, you know, um, and then also you know diabetes. I was diagnosed with diabetes. Um, so there's there's a lot of stuff, you know. I take pills before I go to bed, you know. So I feel like it's time to slow down now. I've had everything I wanted. I play all over the world and I play the heck out of the bass. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, I just have to let go, you know, yeah. and then stay home and, and teach kids. Now I do this music, Mentos. Uh, I just finished one in, in Pennsylvania. Um, it was five days music, Mentos. Kids, they come from different schools because I want to create a community of musicians and then also cut down this bullying that's going on in schools. So we get the kids. Bullying, have, sorry, bullying. The, yeah, the bullying. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. Okay, yeah. So we got all these kids coming from different schools. They don't know each other, but when they get to the room, they want family. Yeah. You know? So I work with them for about five days, and after that, we perform the show. They cry when they left because that was a great moment to work with them. Oh wow! Now I'm back in Long Island where I started with the kids five years ago. I started the music mentors. Got these kids for seven weeks, practice with them every day, teach them the science about the instrument. Like, don't play if your sound is terrible, because it's going to make you sound bad, even if you play good. Yeah. But your sound is, is terrible. So let's take a look at the amps, uh, all these knobs, what this means, what is your bass knobs means. Let's fix that. 
until the kid get it. And then every day, you know, I see the kids, you know, they, they're working the drama and I bring the drum friend and say, listen, help this young drummer to tune the drum so that they all sound good. Because now when we play the song, everybody sees good. Yeah. And these kids, they loved it for seven weeks. And then the last part of that seven weeks, we did a show. And now they're playing with some big speakers. And I said, now go have fun. You know, don't be nervous or what about your mom is watching you or your dad. Just go play. Because if that's what you're going to do, you got to go all the way. You got to know it's not just playing, but it's, it's about understanding the science. Because you're going to become a, a future builder if you really understand the tones of this. It's not just playing, making money and, and getting on the planes. No, it's about the long distance if you want to do this. Already your parents, they buy you some instruments that cost a lot of money. Right. So you, you need to do something with that. And then I, sometimes I find them geeks. Because oh, yeah? I can talk yeah. to yeah, like a hotel and say, can you give us the lobby for the kids to play from three to six? Let them have fun because the more they play, they get loose. That's cool, yeah. You know, yeah. so that's my music therapy that I do, uh, 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 music mentors, which is I'm hoping that if I can get support and funding, I can go to any part of the world, get kids for seven weeks, let's play some music, let's heal because it's, it's a healing. Yeah. It healed me, it saved me. Now it's my time for me to save them. Wow, amazing. Bakiti, thank you so much. That's been brilliant. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, I need to stop gushing over this one. But seriously, what a guy. After enjoying everything that music has brought into his life, he's now spending his days trying to pass on these gifts to today's youngsters setting up his own music camps and workshops to pay forward his own good fortune. A really inspirational story and a great chat with one of the best, Bagiti Kamalo. Again, a big thanks to Bagiti for spending so much time with me and really being open to talking about absolutely anything. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Also, another very big thank you as well to Mitchell Chang, who put together the Los Angeles International Ukulele Festival, which basically made this interview possible. So thanks again to you, Mitch. This has been a really long episode, but before I do go, I have one very quick story I want to share with you before I go. On September the 23rd, five years ago, I played You Can Call Me Al on the ukulele at one of my best friend's wedding uh, with a wedding band that incredibly featured Dan Hickey, the drummer or former drummer of They Might Be Giants. And bizarrely enough, five years later to the day, I find myself in a hotel room in California playing the same song, this time with the actual bass player who played on the original record itself. I don't know what it is about the song You Can Call Me Al and the date September the 23rd, but I can't wait to find out who I'll be playing it with in 2027. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, please go and download some of the older episodes from the archive. We've got chats with Tyler from Ten Thumbs, uh, Bernadette Teaches Music, Mandy from Opera Lely, James Hill, Jake Shimabukuru, and many, many others. There is literally hours of great entertainment for free up there for you right now. Also, I would be really grateful if you would consider sharing it with your friends, families, and ideally your ukulele communities. I'm really, really proud of this work, and I would love for it to reach as big an audience as possible. Anyway, I'll be back again next week with some more great ukulele tales for you. But for now, until next time, I love you all, and I wish you... The best.